0: Carol Gold.
1: Hi, it's Thursday, November 10th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. It's two days after the national election, and most podcasters and news anchors and talk show hosts spent yesterday, and I presume they're going to spend certainly the rest of this week, talking about the results, about what happened, what didn't happen, who didn't win, who might have won, who may have fixed what, whose machines may have been tampered, all of that. And as tempting as it is for me to jump into that arena, that's not what this podcast is about today. I want to talk to you about information. And in particular, I want to talk about the control of information. And the reason that I want to talk about the control of information is that information is power. And when you are kept from being informed, then you are disempowered. And I looked back in history and I thought back in history, and there are many examples of what happens when either individuals or groups of people get together for the purpose of consolidating and controlling information. And I want to go all the way back to both the Old Testament, the Torah, And I want to go to the New Testament. I want to go to the birth of Christianity as well. Because it's evident as early as then, as centuries before Jesus was born, let's start with the codification of what was in fact the commandments that were given at Sinai. What happened was that when the Second Temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., what happened was that the rabbis and the leaders of the Hebrew community needed to, because of the diaspora, because of the dispersion of Jews out of what was in fact ancient Israel to Babylon and elsewhere, they had to figure out a way, because the central point, the temple, didn't exist anymore. They had to figure out a way to memorialize and to perpetuate the history And the commandments and all of the, what was called the oral tradition, it had to become codified, it had to become a written tradition, an organized tradition, an organized set of principles and rules and stories that people could take with them wherever they went. So the rabbis came together and they, in essence, created, they took the oral Torah and they turned it into the written Torah well when you think about that that means that a group of men and and this isn't about sex or gender this is just about what happened then a group of men got together and they decided what the basically the prayer structure was going to be and what the flow of information was going to be at the turn of the first century something very similar happened after the crucifixion of Jesus. And that was when the early Christian church started. There were several versions of how people understood and were going forward with what Jesus taught. And eventually, the Christian church, the traditional church, came together, and it decided to codify by creating a narrative that included some of those versions but deliberately excluded others. So the information was honed and it was massaged and it was formulated in a way that it all fit a single narrative. Even if those other excluded versions that I talked about painted a different story, they were deliberately excluded because they painted a different story. And in fact, the Emperor Constantine called together what was called the um, Council of Nicaea after Constantine converted to Christianity because he had a vision before he fought a major war and won that war and attributed it to the Christian Church or, or to the to Christianity and so he converted to Christianity after he converted he convened that Council of Nicaea and these were Christian bishops who Convened in literally in the city of Nicaea, which is now, I think, Iznik, Turkey, and they made the first effort to get a consensus in the church through an assembly that would be representing all of Christendom. So there were things that were included and things that were excluded, were prohibited. Some of the things that were prohibited or excluded were the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip the acts of Peter there were things that were not allowed to be included in that official narrative I'm telling you all of this because we can see way back in history that people who want to control other people understand the importance of the narrative and they understand that controlling that narrative means controlling the information that gets to the people who hear the narrative and if you look particularly at Christianity, if you, look at, if you look at Peter, and you look at the fact that he was about age 50 at the time of the crucifixion, and the crucifixion was somewhere between 30 and 33 AD, and he died between 64 and 67 AD, it, he was 81 years old at the time of his death. And he wrote Second Peter, which is attributed to him, and I think it's called Second Peter. It might be 2 Peter. I'm not Christian, so I'm not sure what the correct reference pronunciation is. But he wrote Second Peter between 63 and 64 AD. So it makes him somewhere around 80 years old at the time that he wrote Second Peter. So are we allowed to question the memory or the narrative of an 80-year-old? Well... We've got a president who's close to that in age, and let's look at his cognitive ability as a reference point. I'm not saying an 80-year-old shouldn't be respected, and I'm not saying an 80-year-old can't be communicating important information, but there's genuine reason to question the memory of an 80-year-old, because even with the best of intentions, we all color what happened to us in life. And the older we get and the farther we get from the event, the more we color it. And in fact, there are psychological studies that have been done and proven that sometimes we even have dreams or we have things that we've imagined that given enough repetition in our own consciousness, we come to believe actually happened. So again, we have this combination historically of people who are older perhaps significantly aged, who are codifying a narrative that is sent out into the world for everyone to believe and follow as is, without questioning the authenticity or even allowing for a little bit of wiggle room or doubt. I mean, Constantine changed the Sabbath, which was Saturday. In Judaism, it's Friday night to Saturday night sundown. He changed the Sabbath to Sunday. He did that in the year 321 by issuing a civil decree. And in that decree, by the way, it said, quote, All judges and city people and the craftsmen shall rest upon the venerable day of the sun. S-U-N. Of the sun. Well, that smacks of paganism. It doesn't smack of monotheism because prior to monotheism there was worshiping of the planets there were sun gods ra the egyptian sun god so if you get where i'm going here i'm going to the january 6 committee that's where i'm going next from all of this why because the january 6th committee was unprecedented in the sense that under law and under the rules of the u.s house of representatives the minority party leaders should have been able to pick individuals from the minority party who would sit on that committee so that it was a bipartisan committee. But Nancy Pelosi wouldn't allow that in her power tripping, because the people that Kevin McCarthy had picked were people that she didn't want. I'm sorry, not Ke- uh, was it Kevin McCarthy? Maybe. Were, were people that she did not want on that committee. So instead, she picked Two Republicans, at least in name only, she picked Adam Kinziger and Liz Cheney, both of who hate, hate Trump, have not been at all shy about how much they hate Trump. And so she, in essence, had a committee that was predetermined to conclude what it was they set out to prove, which is not the way objective inquiry is supposed to happen. And then there was COVID. Oh, by the way, let me end that by saying so the January 6th committee didn't give us the truth. It didn't give us a full perspective. It gave us a controlled narrative. The information was filtered through a specific filter to reach a specific end. And as I just said, look at COVID. There was nothing truthful about COVID, they weren't truthful about the origin. They weren't truthful about the vaccine. They weren't truthful about what happened in trials with the vaccines, the myocarditis and the adverse effects on fertility and miscarriage, about the neuropathies. They weren't honest about that. We didn't get all that information. We didn't get the truth about the benefit or not benefit of the vaccine. We were told, get the vaccine and you can't get COVID. Well, that was a flat out lie. It was a controlled narrative. Then we have the Hunter Biden laptop story, where the entire story and all of the facts relating to it have been kept from us. You could only find it in very small, um, out-of-the-way kinds of articles. There's no mainstream media that wants to touch that. And yet there is a plethora of evidence, objective evidence, that needs to be looked at. And yet we don't get that information. We get a controlled narrative. We were told it was Russian disinformation up until the point when even the mainstream media had to admit the laptop was authentic and its contents were authentic. But having said that, there's no inquiry into what the content is and whether or not his father is linked to his illegal activities. Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, the black book That has all the information in it, all the names of the men, and I presume women, who were involved in the perversion, in the the perverted world that Jeffrey Epstein lived in. In the world of blackmail and sexual blackmail that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell participated in, orchestrated. That black book has been sealed by the court in her trial. We're not allowed to know who are the famous people, who are the wealthy people, who are the politicians, who are the powerful that were engaged in underage, basically sex trafficking and sex with minors. There's no accountability and there's no connection for those names to the flight manifesto, even though we know the flight manifesto evidences that they were on those flights. There's no accountability for that because we're not allowed to be fully informed. All of this is a way of saying that both the media and the government in general are telling you, are telling me, are telling us only what they want us to know. And it's why I'm so reluctant to get all bent out of shape about the results of this election. Because I think we know a fraction of the truth, not about whether the machines are hacked, not whether or not there's corruption in the election process. I don't want to get all bent out of shape because most of what we're living is an orchestrated illusion. It couldn't be more like the matrix unless we were in the movie itself. I really feel that everything we're looking at is an illusion. And a friend of mine said to me today, absolutely, we're in an illusion. It's all fake news. And I said, no, I don't mean that anymore. I don't mean at such a low level that the news is fake. I mean, the world we're living in is fake. The reality that we're in is fake. And I think it's very important for all of us, for our sanity, for our survival, to back up and stop getting seduced and twisted up with every bit of news and information that's out there because like the torah like christianity specific people who are at the at the moment and i and i qualify this who are at the moment pulling the strings orchestrating the narrative controlling the flow of information are doing it in order to enslave. They're doing it in order to disempower the masses. And I say at the moment, because I really feel and believe that we're about to witness something rather extraordinary. It may be within the next, I don't know, two, three months. It may be as much as six months out. But I believe that we are on the cusp of of as my friend said in this same conversation today yeah it's like we're living you know behind the veil and i said but the veil is about to be lifted i believe that and i know that in christianity and in some gnostic religions i know that people talk about the veil meaning that we really can't see through it that this is the way the world is constructed and that we get glimpses behind the veil, but we never really get it lifted. We get a glimpse here and there of what truth is. I think something startling is about to happen. And I want all of you to basically keep the faith, so to speak, whether you're religious or not. Keep the faith in the truth. Keep the faith in the highest good. Keep the faith in oneness. Keep the faith in love. Keep the faith in our highest selves and keep the faith in the light because that's all it takes to turn an absolutely dense and immobile experience into illumination. It simply takes the light. You shine the light into a dark room and suddenly everything is clear. And I believe we are on the cusp of that. I don't know why I believe that other than a deep intuition and feeling that it's so. And since I live my life very much trusting in my intuition, you know, I talk about this on the, sh- on the show, how, on the podcast, how part of me is the lawyer, the rational, logical, and part of me is the mystic intuitive. I've done readings for people my entire life, spiritual readings, some people call them psychic readings. I simply intuitively know things that are going to happen. And this is one of those times that I feel that the most important thing you can do is not get sucked up into the chaos that's about to happen not get sucked up into the drama that's about to happen be a witness just be a witness disengage yourself from the seductive nature of false power disengage from the disinformation disengage from the misinformation Go within as you've never gone within before. Go within and go local. Go within and go local. Meaning, if you're going to connect, connect locally and disengage from this national and global drama that's going on. Just engage locally with neighbors, with friends. If you want to get in any way politically involved, do it locally. And in terms of go within, spend some time listening to your inner voice because it's loud and clear right now if you just open yourself to it if you allow yourself to be the recipient of whether you think it's divine power or cosmic power universal power whatever you believe it is it's of the good It's of the light and it's for your highest good and the highest good of all of those with whom you are deliberately interacting because there are no accidents right now. Everything's happening for a reason. And if you're so involved in the drama, in the big picture drama, in the false narrative drama, you're going to miss the things that are right smack in front of you that are being placed there For as I said a moment ago, your highest good and the highest good of all of those with whom you interact. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again next week. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself.
0: Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.